Okay, thank you. I just had to dress comfortably this morning to just kind of represent, connect. Um, I'll open with just a little story. I was, um, I was told this story a while back, but there was a pastor, and he was, he was greeting people at the door where people were coming to church, and uh, all these people coming in, and um, he notices this one guy who's coming in, and he, he decides to get out of the line. You know, all the people are kind of waiting to shake hands, and he pulls this guy out of the line, and he pulls him aside, and he says, hey, 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 buddy. You know, he kind of gives this little religious, Christianese kind of statement. He says, you need to join the army of the Lord. You need to join the army of the Lord. And so this guy replies back. He says, Pastor, I'm already in the army of the Lord. Like, I'm, all, I'm in. The pastor's like, what? He's kind of perplexed, kind of confused. And he says, how's that? I mean, man, I only see you on Christmas and Easter. How could you be in the army of the Lord? And so the guy gets up in his ear, whispers in it so nobody else can hear. He goes, I'm in the secret service. So I just want to welcome y'all, as my Southern Belle would say, all the, all the family members, all the frequent flyers, and all the secret service that are here this morning. Amen? Okay, so uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Derek Fry. I'm the lead pastor at Connect, and it is a just total awesome pleasure to be with you this morning. Our house is your house. Mi casa, su casa. Um, we're just so grateful that you're here. And I want you to know right up front that we're not here to, you know, kind of condemn anyone, guilt anyone, and all that kind of church stuff. Like, I grew up hating church. I love God, but there were things in phases of my life. There was awesome phases in my life, too, in church. But there were times in my life I didn't like church. And, and, some, and I think you guys have had experiences like that where you felt kind of guilted and, and just kind of, you know, sometimes even manipulated or whatever. And so we're not here to condemn anyone. We're here just to convince you, honestly, that we're here to help people connect to God. Yep, yep, there we go. Some people maybe that, you know, not necessarily better. Uh, we don't think we're better. We just think we're better off because we have a relationship with God, and that changes everything. And we want to help you connect maybe with a, with a great church that cares about you. And that's it. And so I hope that you're, if you haven't been already, touched by our service. I hope you're touched by the people. But literally, more than anything else, we hope that you're touched by God. Amen? That's what it's all about. Not, and and, and this, this environment that you're experiencing today, we didn't do that much to change it from any other Sunday. I mean, we just had some upgrades, but don't, what I mean is in terms of how we do church. And so we want you to come in and just see, this is, this is kind of how it is all the time. So come on anytime. Amen? Um, listen, I'm at a disadvantage as I start this whole thing out because, uh, and you may not appreciate that, but as a, as a pastor, a professional Christian, um, every year at Easter, I'm at a disadvantage because everybody knows what I'm going to talk about. Like, of course he's going to talk about the res, that's just kind of the short word for the resurrection. Turn to your neighbor and say, the res. He's going to talk about the res. Survey says, ding, right. I'm going to talk about that. I don't know why this is doing this. Sorry, it's, I, don't, I'm not, I promise I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. Anyway, um, so I'm going to talk about that. You're absolutely right, but I want to have kind of a different focus. And focus is kind of the operative word today as we go forward. In other words, uh, there's this tendency in all of us sometimes to be near something, around something, close to something, sometimes not see the something. Sometimes it's like right under our nose and we can't see it. You know that expression or the expression that says we can't see the forest for the trees. Anybody know what I'm talking about out there? Sometimes we can't see, we can't recognize certain things, yet they're right around us. And I, I know that's been the case for many of us at different times, something's impaired, as it were, our vision. And I can remember when I was um, younger, I had a car, and um, I was just going to say I wish the top was down on it when I was driving, but I, didn't, I, didn't ha- I always wanted a convertible, but I didn't get one. I, I did get a sunroof, 
and it was one of them pop-up kinds, you know, and, and I didn't have air conditioning, so I had the highway air conditioning, you know what I'm saying, like air conditioning works at 60, you know what I'm saying, so I'm driving down the highway, experiencing, you know, that kind of air conditioning, and as I'm driving, you know, to some Brian Adams song, like, I'm gonna run to you, you know, or something like that, feelings right, you know, I'm just, and I'm going, going, and all of a sudden, this, this burst of wind comes in through the, you know, the, the wind, the window, and it's good most of the time, but something went in my eye, and I don't know what it was, and I just, you know, immediately just started to rub my eye, which made it worse, before you know it, my vision's being affected, I'm like, you know, all over the road to run to you, and, and uh, it was a good song, but I was going to kill somebody, you know what I'm saying, and, um, and it just got worse and worse and worse, and finally had to pull over get it better. It was just, it was just going on and on and on. So I get home and there's this like dot just outside my retina, this little dot. I thought it was some sand. So I, I did all the things people tell you to do, flip your eyelid and pull it over and squish, you know, a whole water hose inside it and all the things that people say. And I'm a wuss about my eye. Like, don't touch my eye. I'm a total baby, you know, and the only person I let in my eye is my wife and, and I'm a, she'll tell you I'm a total wuss about it. So eventually, it just got so bad, it got infected. I had to go to the eye doctor, which is an experience all by itself. If you've never been to an eye, how many have been to an eye doctor before? Okay, so you're going to know what I'm talking about. Those of you who have never been to an eye doctor, buckle up. Okay, so I go to an eye doctor. They put you in this thing where they harness your head. It's like preparation for a lobotomy, okay? And so... I'm like, they're going to suck the brains right out of my head. I, I think that's what's going to happen. And then he's got this apparatus over his head, you know, where he, he looks like, I forget what that movie is, but the, one of the Batman movies where, you know, anyway. Uh, and he pulls this thing over his head and these big eye goggles and this huge eye staring at you. And then right before he gets ready to go, he goes, poof, and it blows this air. Does anybody know what I'm talking You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What was that? What was that? What was that? You know what I'm talking It scared, the, scared me to death. And then he looks... Literally, I remember when he, was, when he was there, and he was so close. I mean, he was just right up in my buffer zone. And I just said, sir, are you looking into my soul? <laughs> and he saw this little dot, and it just so happens that this little dot wasn't a piece of sand. It was a metal shard, like a needle, that had pierced my eye. And, of course, he, that wasn't so fun. And he eventually pulled that out. It wasn't such a great process. And... And if he hadn't got that out, and if it, hadn't, if it had hit my retina, it could have been serious vision issues for a very long time. And it was, it was that day when I was leaving that incredible experience that I realized, you know, how easy it is for something to impair my vision. I think some of us have some vision impairment, and we don't necessarily know it. We all could probably benefit from seeing the eye doctor, and that's what it was for me that day. And I thank God that I got that thing out. And today I want to attempt basically with using this illustration by the Holy Spirit to help us get the metal shard maybe out of our eye so that we can see not a what but a who might be invisible to us, but yet he's actually with us all the time. My goal is to help open our eyes so that we can see Jesus more clearly in our situation, in our circumstances, in our, in our life, because the truth is he's there. He's there. If you would, I would like you to stand to your feet as we read God's word and just take a second and give you an opportunity to stretch your legs at the same time. I'm going to be reading from our theme, our key text this morning. It's Luke chapter 24. If you're following on your worship guide, it should be in there. Or if you're following on version, our bulletin is in there as well. Luke 24, 13 says this. 
Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about everything that happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself, everybody say Jesus himself, came and walked alongside them. You may be seated. This, the context of this is incredible because this is three days after Good Friday, which was Bad Friday for Jesus, where he was crucified. This was on a road to Emmaus, outside of Emmaus, on the way to Jerusalem. And these two men, along with others, disciples, they had high hopes that Jesus was going to be the Messiah in a way that they saw it. They saw him as a redeemer, as a rescuer, yeah, but really more as a king, as a ruler. And Jesus, in the middle of that disillusionment, he comes up alongside them, walks alongside them. He shows up, he sneaks in behind them, and he actually inserts himself right into the conversation they're having, ironically, about him at that moment. It's incredible. It's an amazing situation. But Jesus comes alongside them in that particular moment. And in Luke 24, 16, it says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, he comes along, he walks alongside them, and then it says this, this key word, it says, but they were kept from recognizing him. They couldn't see him. And as I thought about this particular phrase, I thought about a news program I watched many years ago where there was this particular uh, disorder or disease, it might even be, called face blindness. Face blindness. There's a big scientific term. I'm not going to attempt to tell you what the term is because I won't say it right. I tried in the first service, and I was very embarrassed. But face blindness. Apparently, this particular disorder is really not an issue of being able to see objects or colors or, you know, the frame of a person. It's an inability to recognize them. In other words, you could be around that person your whole life. It could be your spouse, your loved one, your siblings, you know, a best friend, but you don't recognize them. You can't see them, even people that you've known forever and ever. And I submit to you that these two men that are walking along the road here see Jesus as a stranger, and they should have recognized him. They were, I believe, struck with a severe case of face blindness. What's interesting about these two men is uh, we could really insert ourselves into the story because many of us are just like them. Many of us can't recognize him when he's walking right alongside us in our everyday life. He may be there in your journey, and maybe you can't see him. I submit that they're not the only ones who suffer from this condition of recognizing God in our life. The truth is, I believe with all of my heart, that God has been with us, walking alongside us, all of our life. From the very beginning, John 1.1, 1, 1, there's a ton of scripture I could tell you about this, but it says he was there in the beginning. The, he, the word was with God, was God. And he actually came and incarnate, dwelt among flesh, came amongst the people. And, and, and the scripture says in Psalms that even if we made our bed in hell, there he is. God has been with us, Emmanuel. We talk about it not just at Easter, but at, at Christmas time as well. But sometimes we lose sight of him or don't recognize him for who he really is and what he's really up to, which is a major issue as well. And I believe there are things, there are people, there are circumstances, situations, misinformation, myths, things that keep us from being able to see Jesus. And we are unable, as it were, to open our eyes. But God wants us to open our eyes. And so here's our big idea. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down in your worship guide. And if you're not taking notes, you can go ahead and just write this down. I don't want, here's the big idea. I don't want you, God doesn't want you to miss the miracle that might be right in front of your eyes. Sometimes the miracle is literally right in front of you, but you can miss it. You might not recognize it. And there are different impediments that keep us from being able to see God. And I want to give you some of those obstacles to face blindness real quickly. The first one is this. 
We can't see him sometimes because of our own agenda. Our own agenda. We have a plan. We want, we want it to go a certain way. In John chapter 4, the story is told of the Samaritan woman. Jesus goes out of his way, as he does in our lives, to meet and greet this particular woman. It was very kind of uh, taboo. It was kind of different for somebody to be able to do that. A religious leader talked to this person, and he goes and he tells the woman he needs a drink. And, and then she goes and gets a drink, and then he says, listen, I have something that you could drink that will quench your thirst forever. And she's confused, and she doesn't get it. And he reads her mail, and he tells her all about her life and all the men she's been with. And then he tells her, listen, I've got something for you in relationship with me that will meet your deepest need that those guys, all of them, all five of them, could never meet. He gives her exactly what she needed, precisely what she needed, but didn't deserve. And, and while this is all happening, his own disciples who knew him really well, who'd spent a lot of time with him, and been around him, seen him, they have their own face blindness. They're watching him, and they're observing him through natural eyes, and they're like, isn't he hungry right now? I mean, we ought, to head out. we ought to head out to the deli. Jesus hasn't eaten in a long time. And he's not, they're not paying attention. They're not seeing what he's up to, what he's doing. Finally, he comes up to him and he says, boys, my food is not at the deli. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Y'all, this is my wife and me, y'all don't get it. You got a bad case of face blindness. And in John chapter 4, verse 35, it says this. Jesus says to them, I tell you, he tells them, Open your eyes. Everybody say, open my eyes. He says, look at the fields. They're ripe unto harvest. And so he tells these disciples that have been with him in John 4. He unpacks some truth and shows uh, uh, some things to this Samaritan woman. And he tells these men, these disciples in Luke 24, really the same thing. They both had agendas that got in the way of being able to see God. Sometimes I look at my agenda and I say, God, is there any way you can match your agenda up with my agenda? I mean, come on, can we, can we work something out? And sometimes I think he doesn't do that because maybe God is preventing me from getting what I want so he can give me what I need. And we can't see it. And that's what happened here. Instead of getting the Messiah who would redeem them from slavery to the Romans, he was giving them a Messiah who would redeem them from the slavery to sin. It's a whole different ballgame. The next thing that can keep us face blind is we can't see him because of our sin. Because of our sin. Now, I won't go into this one because it's Easter and I ought to be nice this morning. But sometimes sin, it deceives us, it tricks us, it keeps us kind of in the dark. You can get me a handheld mic quickly. Sin separates us, but Jesus unites us. Unites us. See, sin kind of pulls us away. Sin suffocates our relationship with God. But Jesus unites us. And we just have to decide to turn to God, to face God. Amen? You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says that when, when the veil, if anybody turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. A veil. You can't see. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it's like a scales over your eyes. You know the song, it says, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Come on. All right, I need a singing mic for that one. You know, and, and that song, it goes on to say something to the effect that says, Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. What makes it bright, what makes the sunlight sh- expose darkness is when sin is removed. So sometimes sin gets in the way of not just our agenda, but our plans with God. Amen? The next thing is, here's another face blindness is we can't see him because of our preoccupation with approval. Sometimes we want really what man thinks more than what God thinks. 
And if we can think like he thinks, we might be able to connect with him a little better. In John 12, 43, it says they loved human praise more than the praise of God. When we want God more than we want the approval of others, Jeremiah tells us when you seek him early, you'll find him. You'll find him. And here's the one I really want to camp on a lot this morning is a face blindness issue. Is We can't see him because of our expectations. Everybody say expectations. Now, I'll go back to the original story, Luke 24, 19. It says this, and this is these two guys, again, they're walking on this Emmaus road. It's a seven-mile journey. It takes about three hours to get from where they are to where they're going, and it says this. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. We had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. Notice this. This is an interesting thought, but sometimes the, the saddest words, they start with the letter D. When I thought about this, I was like, hey, that's not, that's not cool. My name's Derek. But, but think about it. Despair, disappointment, disillusionment, you know, even death, you know, starts with this letter D. And these two guys, Cleopas was one of the names that they gave in the scriptures. Anybody that has that name, I'm sorry. But Cleopas and his companion, they're walking with this stranger, but they have these feelings, these D-word feelings. There's just like, we're doomed, we're not going to make it. It was just really sad. And they, they use words in the scripture in the past tense. He was a prophet, was. He, powerful in word and deep. We had hope that he would do this or he would do that. They, in other words, their expectations, their unmet expectations died when Jesus died. When he died on the cross, their dream of what they thought was going to happen died with them. The one they revered, the one they followed, the one they believed, and the one who came in triumphant a week before, all of a sudden, he's gone, just like that. I think what happens sometimes is what's so fragile about humanity is humanity has uh, something that we put trust in, human, human hope. It's a fragile thing. And, and, and when it withers, it's actually very difficult to revive human hope. Hopelessness is a disease of the human spirit. It's very, very, very hard to cure. And when you see someone overtaken by illness or someone taken from this life prematurely, it's very sad. And despair can sit And I see it all the time. I sit front row and center with a lot of these kind of situations. And these two, I just want you to know, in this story, they were in that place. They had it. Human hope. And it was gone. It was gone. And you might be here today and some of your hope is gone. Hope for this or hope for that. Your marriage, your finances, your job, your future, your plans. Human hope might have left the building, so to speak, for you. But it's cool about this story, and I believe it applies to us today, is while people are in that situation and in that circumstance, Jesus inserts himself into not only our conversation, but into their lives. And he shows up and walks alongside them. And I love that about him because when we're struggling with unmet expectations and disappointment and frustrations, he comes in in Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. It says, I am also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. Psalm 34, it's not in your notes. 18, it says, he's near to those who are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. We see him so clearly in the story and we read it and we're like, yep, 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 yep. But the Bible says they were kept from recognizing him. And I believe that there's a purpose behind why they were kept from recognizing him that we'll talk about in just a minute. But for now, these examples and perhaps others are some of the reasons we can't see him. But we need to talk about how to see him. Because it's rarely a circumstantial problem. It's almost always, I submit to you, I believe with all my heart, it really is a perspective problem. One of the reasons we can't see Jesus isn't because he's not doing something in the natural. It's because something hasn't happened in the supernatural. Something hasn't happened in our vision 
Our vision has been impaired. There's a metal shard, so to speak, in our eye, and we can't see it. And we think it's a little thing, but no, it's a big thing because it's piercing all the way through to our not only mind's eye, but to our heart. And so let's figure out how to make that connection. And I know, I know when I'm trying to connect with someone in particular, like, for example, my daughter, it can be tough. My daughter actually lives a great distance away from me, and I often miss her, my oldest daughter, Mallory. And I miss her on a day like today, for example. But it's, it, though it's not exactly the same, what I'm going to tell you, whenever I need to talk to her, I can have a FaceTime call with her. How many have a FaceTime call? Ever do that? All right. Anybody that hasn't, I'll just pray for you. It's on your iPhone, God's phone. And, uh, but you can have this FaceTime. Just kidding, just kidding. Just kidding, just kidding. But you can have this FaceTime connection with my daughter. It's awesome. And when I'm missing her, when I'm longing for her, I need to kind of connect. It restores, it reboots, it refreshes my relationship with her. And sometimes I just, I just got to see her face. I got to see the little nuances and characteristics. I got to see what she looks like, if she's healthy, how she's doing, all those kind of things. But how do we have a FaceTime connection with Jesus? Look at these things in your notes. Number one, we have to accept what happened. What already happened? Sometimes you have to go back to go forward. And so the Bible says, it's not in your notes, but in Hebrews it says, you have to believe that he is, number one, and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. They're, they're, the sign and the seal sometimes that, uh, that helps you see God is, is, is believing what already happened. He died, he lived, he died, and he rose again so that when we live and die, we can be with him forever. He did that. And, and it's, it was spoken of in, in the book of Acts after uh, Jesus was resurrected. Guys who rejected him, guys who denied him, all of a sudden now they're like talking about him. They can't help but talk about him. In fact, in Acts it says, uh, uh, Peter and John, it says, we can't stop talking about what we've both seen and heard. Because of what happened, a movement that actually has taken over the earth in this little, this small little country, think about it, Israel, in this, uh, this obscure city which is now known as the Holy City, something happened there because not of, an, of a belief system, but because a guy who said he was going to die, died, and said he was going to come back, did. And I don't care what he says, I'm with the guy who does that and comes through on it. Does that make sense? And you have to decide for yourself, amen, whether you, de- whether you believe that or not. To have a FaceTime encounter, we need to base our beliefs more on an event than on an education. The next thing that opens our eyes and helps us have a FaceTime connection is we just got to keep our eyes open. That's a phrase we all understand and have heard. We got to pay attention to the signs, the efforts, the opportunities that God gives us to connect with him. Maybe he's closer to you than you really think. Maybe in your most painful moment, he's right there with you and you don't even realize it. But a lot of times we're asleep. A lot of times we have a spiritual lethargy that comes over us. And this is not new. This happened in in the, uh, 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 prior to Christ's death in Gethsemane, the garden, where Jesus was praying, and he's earnestly praying to the point of sweating blood. His own disciples fall, what? Asleep. They fall asleep. Sometimes we're missing the opportunities because we're not just literally asleep, we are spiritually asleep. And to have a FaceTime encounter with Jesus, we need to pers- have persistence more than passivity. We have to kind of pursue. If you really want something, you have to pursue something. And we need to be on watch, looking for a Savior, wanting to see Him and meet Him. If we seek Him like that, I promise you, you'll find Him. Another critical way as I amp things up on how to have a FaceTime connection with God is we have to have an encounter with the Word of Christ. Everybody say the Word. The Word. 
The word of God is living and active to whoever, whoever would live and act on it. In Luke 24, 32, it says this. They asked each other, weren't our, weren't our hearts burning within us when he was talking with us on the road and unpacked the scriptures to us? You know, for you to see Jesus, I'm going to spell it out real quick. I think you need to be in a place that doesn't offer you religion, but offers you revelation knowledge about God's word. You need a place where the relevant truth is being expressed, where somebody's unpacking the truth of God's word and making it apply to you Monday through Saturday, not just at church when you go listen to it and it just goes over your head, in one ear and out the other. That was nice. I did some time. Here we go. Piccadilly. It's got to be more to it than that. God's word is life-changing, and if it's not changing our life, maybe it wasn't presented in the right way. And so I encourage you. That's why we, we think it's so important to be a part of a church where you're hearing God's truth uh, presented in a powerful way. We're going to wind up the service today and show you how we're going to do that in the next few weeks. But to see Jesus, we all need an encounter with the word of Christ. It's a process. Jesus walked with him for three hours. It must have been the greatest exposition of the scriptures as he unpacked from Moses and the prophets all the way to that present day, talking and walking with them. And all the things that they had learned that were confusing, he connected all the dots. You need a place where you can walk through that journey. And every time you're walking on that journey with him and you're seeing the truth and you have an encounter with the word of Christ, you're going to see more and more of who he really is. Amen? And lastly, the most important, probably most critical thing of all, in a world of intellectualism, self-reliance, and personal opinions, I believe we must have an experience with Christ, an experience. A person with an argument is at the mercy of a person with an experience. You can't take away from me the, what I know in my knower. <laughs> That's nothing real super educated about it, but it's actually one of the most confident statements I could possibly make. The Bible says in Luke 24, 31, it says, Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. See, we need to see Jesus. We need our spiritual eyes to be open, not our natural eyes. In some respects, we almost have to close our natural eyes. That's why we pray sometimes when we close our eyes. Not that it makes us more spiritual. It just helps us open our spiritual eyes when we close our physical eyes. Does that make sense? In a couple of minutes, we're going to take communion. And leaders, you can kind of come up now. But this is what's going to happen. This is what I want to express to you. Jesus is with these guys, and he's walking and talking with them. And then in a few minutes, he gives them this opportunity to just kind of walk away. But no, they invite him in. And then they have a simple meal. That's really what communion is. It's a simple meal. But what makes it special, what makes it a FaceTime encounter, what makes the face blindness go off is he began to break the bread. And then he prayed. He blessed it. He invited God into the situation, into the circumstances. Maybe he prayed, God, open our eyes. Maybe he prayed, God, open their eyes so they can see all that I just expressed, all that I just said. God, make it come alive. Make it real to them. Maybe that's what he did. And then he gave it to them. And the Bible says that then they recognized him. The man, maybe they didn't recognize when he fed the 4,000 or the 5,000. Maybe the man at Passover, that they, didn't, they saw him and they knew him, but they didn't really get what he's up to. All of a sudden, maybe they looked at his nail-pierced hands. Maybe they, maybe they saw something different they never saw before, but it happened when they had communion. Now, I don't know your traditions, and I don't know the background that you come from, and I respect everybody's tradition, and I, and I, know, I know most of them, probably all of them. But this is, this is what we believe, and I'm not going to contrast it with what you believe because it would take too much time. But we believe this is more than a memorial. I actually believe that something happens. I think on this side of heaven, communion is the most perhaps intimate experience we can have this side of heaven if we take it with the eyes of faith. 
It's, it's more than remembering what he did for us. That's definitely part of it. But I think something dynamic happens. I think by the Holy Spirit, the very presence of Jesus can be present in this encounter. In other words, you can, you can, you can see him as he really is. The word in the, for, for communion is koinonia, participation, fellowship with Christ. So what's interesting in the story is Jesus is there. He breaks bread. He prays. And then he gives it away. Then he goes away. Why did he go away? I submit to you, he went away because he didn't want, from that point forward, all those people to trust in his physical body. They wanted to trust in the presence of Jesus, in the word of Christ. They wanted to trust in what happened. They wanted to trust in all the things that help us have a FaceTime encounter with God. Do you understand what I'm saying, everybody? God wants to open your eyes to be able to see him. And I have a friend that's here with me this morning. He's a very special young man. He sang at our service on Friday night. Christopher Duffley is here today, and he's, he's physically blind. He, he, was, he, was, he was born blind, but he has a special gift, and he has a special connect, connection with God. He's a Christ follower, demonstrative Christ follower with the joy of the Lord. He sees things, maybe that some of us struggle to see, but we can learn to see and learn from him. There's something that happens as he begins to sing, and I think there's nothing more appropriate than to allow him to sing to us as we participate in communion. And the usher's going to lead you. And what I want you to do is I'm going to bless this and consecrate this in just a second. You come, receive the elements, both of them. Take them back to your seat. Any point during the worship time, their song, just take those elements. While you're doing that, ask God to help you recognize, to help you see him, to open your heart. Maybe he's been there all along. Maybe he's walking right alongside you in your journey, but you're asleep or your expectations or your agenda or whatever is getting in the way. God wants to open your eyes. Can you believe for that with me? Would you stand to your feet as we pray? Holy God, as we begin to participate in fellowship with you in communion, I pray that you receive these elements, both the bread and the wine. The bread represents your body that was broken for us that can heal our bodies, our brokenness. Your blood, which was shed for our sins. The Bible says without the remission of sins, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. I thank you that your blood was shed. You paid a great debt. And Lord, as we participate and we take these elements, I pray in Jesus' name, the very spirit of Jesus be here by the Holy Spirit, present with us. Lord, we want to encounter you. We want to see you as you really are. Open our eyes to see you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Christopher, thank you, my friend.
Yeah. 
everything else that I've said, but if you want to see him, you have to choose to see him. It's a choice. It's a choice. The most powerful and perilous gift that God has ever given us is free will. Choice. When Jesus was walking along the road with them, walking and talking with them, it came to a point in time where he he started to look like he was going to go away. He was just going to leave them. I believe he gave them an opportunity to say, Invite him into their situation. Invite him into their life. Invite him into further conversation. I believe he does the same thing with us. I don't believe God tempts anyone, but he tests everyone. And I think he tests sometimes us to see if we want him, to see if we really want our eyes open. Do we really want to encounter God? Choice, free will, agency. It's a muscle that he's given us all. And for some it's weak and some it can get stronger as we use it. But the most important thing you can do to see God, have a FaceTime encounter with God is to choose He stands at the door and he knocks. What's interesting about the door to our heart is there's no handle on the outside. The handle's on the inside. Only you can open it. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I just want to pray for you today. And I want to say openly and honestly, this is the most important moment really in the service. If your eyes haven't been opened thus far from your encounter with God's people, in worship, an encounter with the word of Christ, You can have an experience right now, but it comes by making a choice, a choice to choose him, to invite him into your life. This is not about religion. This is about relationship. And I don't care if you come to our church ever again. I do care, but I don't care as much as I care that you connect with Christ, that you join and come into a relationship. And to really grow, you need to be around other people. But if you're here today and you know God is knocking on your heart, just remember the handle is on the inside. If you're there today and you know you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you want to have a relationship with him, you're ready to open your eyes and let him show you what maybe you couldn't see. If anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You want to see him? Just turn to God. Say, I need you. I want you. I invite you into my life. If that's you, I'm not going to call you down the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything but just help you connect with God. Just me, you, and God. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't want to leave today. God bless you. I don't want to, good and high. I don't want to leave today without making that connection. All over the room. God bless you. God bless you. 
couple. She's going to do something in your life just because of that visual declaration. You're saying to God, but my hand raised, you're saying, that's me. That's me. Open my eyes. Help me to see what I can't see. Help me to know what I can't know. Help me to have a relationship with you in a way that I've never had before. All over the room, God is touching people's lives. God is opening people's hearts. And we thank you, Lord God. And we don't take this lightly. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Church, would you pray with me? And every one of you, raise your hand. You can just put, all of us, put our hand on our heart. Let's do this. Pray this. This prayer won't save you. Believe it in your heart will. They'll say, Jesus, open my eyes. Help me to see you. Open my heart, God. What's been callous, what's been distant and disconnected with my own agenda, my own expectations, my own plans. I surrender them all to you now. I want a FaceTime encounter with you, God. I choose you today to be my Savior and my Lord. From this day forward, I want you to walk with me on my journey called life. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap all over the room. Come on, let's give him our best on Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, God bless you, God bless you. We got something a little special for you to see on your way out. If you would just notice the video, love you. We have a church that wants you, wants to see you again. Come join us, but just check out this video on your way out. Otherwise, have a great Easter. God bless you. Before you go, I would love for you to take out your connection card. You received one of these in your worship guide this morning. Our connection card serves several different purposes. From one, filling out some information so we can get more acquainted with you. Or if you flip it to the back side, we would love to pray for you in any way we possibly can. Our pastor prays for these every single week, and so does our prayer ministry. So just fill it out and place it in the connection box in the back of the auditorium. Next week, we start a new series entitled At The Movies. Now some may say, why are we showing movie clips in church? Now we believe Jesus explained biblical truths through parables, and nowadays that would translate into movies. We are so excited for this incredibly fun series, and we would love to have you attend. Now go ahead and enjoy this trailer. conclusion we hope you have an amazing easter sunday make sure you grab the gift that we have for you as you leave the service and we hope to see you next week for our at the movie series ladies and gentlemen you are now dismissed